0: Church. Ryan here coming to you from my office. Uh, here's some of my books. There's a window. That's what it is. Uh, glad that we could do this. Uh, typically, I record at fellowship um, or even a couple times I've recorded from our new home, um, but those are both un- unavailable to me today. Today is Thursday. I typically record ahead of Sunday, and if you missed last Sunday, we got to update you a bit on the building, and that is that we we close, we're supposed to close, we're set to close on our new home on the 16th, which is a week from today. Uh, Or if you're seeing this on Sunday, which you probably are, it's this Thursday, which is crazy. Uh, It's a fluid situation though. Things could change depending on some factors that are out of our control, but uh, we will keep you posted um, on when we gather, how we gather, how you can help Um, As you know, we have 14 carts. It doesn't take long for us to move in, Uh, but we don't have anything else, including things to sit on. We don't have chairs. I sent a call out this week, um, a letter out to a number of pastors in the area, and the response has been pretty overwhelming. Uh, We have churches who want to give us toys and shelving and chairs and all these things that we need. We would love hand me downs. You know, we're like that young couple that just gets their first home and doesn't have a couch and someone gives them a couch and they're like great this is awesome so that's us uh so we'll keep you posted keep checking your email and text for uh, uh, you know updates on what the sunday the 19th looks like and uh christmas eve eve so so grateful to be um in this season with all of you as we kind of figure out what does it look like for us to be the church, a church with our own space, um, we definitely want to continue to emphasize that we don't want this space to become the central thing. Um, this is a tool for us. That's it. And uh, we're gonna we're grateful for it. We're excited for it. We're thankful for it. All of those things. But it's a tool, and God's gonna do God's work uh, through the Spirit through us in our communities. And we, like we said last week, the most important place in the life of our church is around your kitchen table, um, inviting people in, hearing stories, caring for people, being hospitable, showing the love of Jesus. And so continue to do that as a church. Uh, church, you read from Isaiah chapter 64. We'll get into that here in a little bit, but it probably didn't seem very Christmassy. And that's intentional. I've been doing a lot of work in my life of researching and investigating what Advent really is, and to be honest with you, growing up in my tradition, um, I grew up as a young lad and going to an Episcopal church, and then our family switched to another evangelical covenant church that uh, we we celebrated Advent, Advent. But I really didn't really understand what it was. I was excited about Christmas. Love Christmas. Christmas Eve, we used to go to the midnight Christmas Eve service. It was incredible. Or 11 o'clock, and it would end at midnight. But uh, I didn't really understand what Advent was. And even as the first years of being a pastor and teaching and preaching on Advent, an Advent series, I really didn't understand kind of the historical roots of Advent. So I did some digging. And I'll just be honest with you, um, it was, it's was it been a good season of digging for me. Researching the roots of Advent, what it means, what it doesn't mean, how it changed over time, what are the candles and the colors and all the things that go with it. And now, back up a bit, I, I'll just be honest with you, uh, this Christmas season wasn't one that I pr- was particularly looking forward to in the sense of, Life has been really busy. Um, The work on getting this building and doing all of that has been pretty exhausting. Um, As some of you know, our family took a trip to England, and that's been a lot of our focus. And and so I decided, uh, practically speaking, not put Christmas lights up this year. And uh, it was a good decision, I felt practically, but also in a sense, kind of emotionally and sentimentally, wasn't feeling it it's been there's been some really hard things this year uh there's been uh uh, some some death and loss um when I think about the life of our church this year so many of you have lost loved ones have lost um (laughs) so much I mean when we talk about uh relationships um maybe some health stuff. Some of you have uh, experienced a great amount of pain. Some of you have, have gone through a season of frustration and confusion when it comes to your faith. We've had those conversations, and those conversations are so welcome here. Um, we love that kind of honesty and that vulnerability. Uh, in, in my life as a police chaplain, I've heard... Uh, Really dark, dark, heavy, difficult stories that have bothered police officers in our city. They're um, the kind of things that stick with them. The kind of evil and uh, pain and um, horror. Really, um, I've been to two officer funerals this year, so I wasn't really feeling like Christmas lights. I wasn't feeling it. Last year, I put Christmas lights on anything that, you know, had a surface. This year, I was just going to go without. And uh, I got home from England, and Ben Ewing decided to to sneak over and uh, put Christmas lights on this little tree I have out front. And he did it in a way that he knew would annoy me, because I don't like trunk-wrapping Christmas tree lights. I just think, I mean, just... I mean, if you've done it, that's fine, I guess. I mean, it's just, let's just be honest, it's just lazy and unimaginative. But um, So Ben decides to put Christmas lights on my tree. So I go out and I unplug them. And he sneaks back over and plugs them back in. So I'm like, okay, this is getting real. So I go out and unplug them and then use the actual cord that he used to plug them in to tie my gate shut. And then he came, snuck over again, and tried to do it around the other side. It's just been a whole thing. But the point is, I decided not to put lights up because I am, to be honest with you, in a moment, in an Advent moment. And Advent, what I've come to realize, is a really important season, not just to think about the incarnation of God in Christ, but to actually to stand in front of the difficulty and the darkness and the chaos of this life and wait. Fleming Rutledge is an author and a scholar, and she writes this, Advent is not for the faint of heart, As the midnight of the Christian year, the season of Advent is rife with dark, gritty realities. Advent is a time of rich paradoxes. A season celebrating at once Christ's incarnation and his second coming. So Advent, really, what we know historically is that the first, um, I guess, Christian literature that has the word Advent, the Latin word Adventus in it, comes from the 6th century. But we do know that the early Christian church began to celebrate something called the Christ Mass. And the church did this intentionally right around the solstice, the winter solstice. And the reason why, from what we can gather, is the reason why is that the light of the world was celebrated at the winter solstice. The light of the world, this pagan worship of the sun god, the light of the world, was worshipped at the exact moment that that god was furthest away. So the Christian community began to do what what they do in the sense of replacement. Jesus did this all the time. So we might say, oh, well, this is kind of goofy. We just just put a Christian tradition over a pagan one. Well, yeah. But the Christian tradition didn't have like the rich history of the festivals like the Jewish people did. And so they began to celebrate the incarnation of God, the true light of the world, right out of John 1. They began to celebrate that around the winter solstice. Jesus did similar things with his uh, conversations with people in in his teaching. In fact, um, when he confronted the demon and sent the demon into the pigs in Mark chapter 5, there's some interesting things happening there. Those pigs were used for the worship of Dionysius, and Dionysius was a god who was to be worshipped in certain ways. And when you did that worship in certain ways, the hope was that you would leave a bowl of water out in front of your home and Dionysius would turn that water into wine. So what's interesting in the life of Jesus is Jesus uses the actual thought forms and the um, the cultural realities of the day to communicate who he was over and above the gods that were worshipped at the time. So I don't think it's anything crazy that the Christ Mass was put near the winter solstice. In fact, we see in the 4th century, 6th century, and then and Advent is becomes part of the tradition of the Christian church. But like everything, it gets somewhat taken off track. No, centuries before the Reformation, the Catholic Church after the great schism, used Advent as a way of penitence and and, and fasting and um, to accept gifts and money for the church in order for the absolution of sins, which was not the intent. And then fast forward even further, there's a a, a recapture. I mean, when you come into uh, the Christian American tradition, Christmas and Christmas trees, and what is Advent? What is this Advent thing? Well, a lot of our faith traditions don't follow necessarily the Christian calendar. The calendar that puts uh, major events in the life of Jesus throughout the year for us to remind ourselves and give ourselves a rhythm. Advent is the beginning of the new year for those who follow Jesus. And Advent is super rich. And Super powerful and Advent is being celebrated all over the world and it has been celebrated all over the world and practiced for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years and it has nothing to do with countdown calendars although those are really fun to open the little flap and eat a piece of chocolate or whatever you do and to be honest with you Advent doesn't totally have a lot to do with Christmas it does but not totally. Advent is meant to be something that we look ahead, not just behind. We look back at Christ's first coming, at the incarnation, and that's Christmas. But we also look ahead in hope. And so Advent differs from all the other Christian seasons in that it looks beyond history, Altogether, and it awaits for Jesus's second coming, his his coming again as the season of the last things. And so, honestly, we live in Advent all the time, all the time. It can be uh, called the time between, and we've talked about this so much: the now and the not yet, the time between the first coming of Jesus and the second coming. Paul tells us in a letter to the Colossians that this time between, this is where we find ourselves. And our lives, Paul says in uh, Colossians 3, 3-4, he says, our lives are hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ is our life appears, then we also will appear with him in glory. Now the word advent comes from the Latin word adventus, which is translated from the Greek word parousia. And parousia is this idea of arrival, of the coming of God. And that God came once, initially through Jesus, in the incarnation, and will come again. A second parousia, a second advent, a second coming. And so advent recognizes both places, the coming of Jesus and the coming of Jesus that is still to come, but it also recognizes the space in between. The dark, difficult, painful waiting that happens in between. So the question of Advent is much like the question and the yearning and the frustration that we read out of Isaiah 64. The questions of Advent are, where is God? Where is God? And we try to avoid asking these questions because we do all we can to run from difficult things. To grasp, to really grasp the depth of the human predicament, you and I have to be willing to enter the very worst of the human predicament. And we don't like to do that. That's not very Christmassy. That, that's uh, hard, messy, painful, and we don't like to do that. There's a long winter of our souls as human beings. And though many of us have come to follow Jesus and have experienced his grace and the forgiveness that comes from that salvation, that moment of surrender... Our lives aren't done. We're not done. The goal isn't to uh, kind of hang in there until the end. The goal is to be transformed deeply. To become the people that God wants us to be. And that actually takes us facing very hard and messy things. And so, there have been many hard and messy things that have happened this year. To you, around you, to me, around me, to us. And those are important things to think about and reflect on. Where was God? Where is God? Now, Isaiah 64 isn't very Christmassy. I mean, at the beginning of it, he said, the the writer says, oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains would tremble before you. There's just this pleading, this desperate plea for for the people reaching out to like say, God, come down, rip open the heavens and just come down. And then there's this part that talks about we're all, a mess. Nobody can face you. You have hidden your face from us. And at the last line it says, After all this, Lord, will you hold yourself back? Will you keep silent and punish beyond measure? There's this plea, this like we're in this space of darkness and loneliness and pain. Would you just show up? Where are you, God? They, they find themselves in a place where chaos reigns and evil has its way. Now, many of us have grown up in a Christian tradition that concentrates mostly on God and us <clears throat> and, and human hum, humanity. And it neglects this evil, this enemy to what God is trying to accomplish. This world is ruled by malevolent, anti-God being. And there are many beings that are anti-God and malevolent. And there are many human beings that are anti-God and malevolent. And we live in a world where God's will is not always done. Not just out there, but also in here, in me, in you. And so all through the Psalms, we see the questions being asked by psalmists, by just real honest people who are peering into the abyss. And they're saying, they're asking questions like: How long, O Lord? How long, O Lord? How long will you forget us? will you forget us forever? Did you promise you promised to do something. How long until we how long until you rend the heavens and come down? Advent from what I've been learning is much more than just the build up to Christmas. Advent is that time that we as disciples of Jesus allow ourselves and even force ourselves to sit in that reality with those questions where is god where was god to feel those haunting doubts to allow the hurt and the pain and the loneliness and the darkness to have its real place just to just to just to put it there and to to think about it to reflect on it and once we do that we come back together and we put our cold hands out to that flickering candle of hope. See, because Advent begins in the dark. Not in the light. It begins in the dark. Huddled around the promise of when Jesus came, this incomprehensible mightiness of God shows up, becomes voluntarily frail. This indescribable bigness of God becomes frail, and, 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 and God says, I will carry you to safety. I'm coming to save by becoming small and frail to meet you in your smallness and your frailness. And he will come again. And just like that first promise was fulfilled, the second promise will be too. But Advent is about the time between. The time between the birth of Jesus and the second glory yet to come. The renewal of all things. And so this is where we spend our time. And I'm not talking about doom and gloom all the time. I'm not talking about let's focus on all the dark stuff all the time. Like No, I'm not asking you to do that all the time, but I am asking you to do it sometime. And I think Advent's a perfect season for that. When we acknowledge our deep need to be rescued, not merely once, but over and over and over again. See, we want to be a church that seeks to be transformed deeply. We're not, we're not out for attendance numbers. We're not out for a brand loyalty. We're not out for any of those things. We just want to be a collection of people who are transformed deeply to our core. And when you talk to people who have been transformed deeply to their core, they're the kind of people that have actually looked deeply into who they are. Into the pain and the trauma and the frustration of the life they've lived. And have been really honest about those things and really honest about how that has then fleshed out in their own lives. Deeply transformed people, that's, that's the kind of community that is actively seeking God's will on this earth. Entering the darkness of our own hearts. Entering it with each other. Being honest with each other. Not trying to veneer over everything in our lives with some sort of a religious cliche or attending church or a fake smile, but really getting after it together. All of us have become like this, like the, the prophet says, all of us have become like one who is unclean. Fleming Rutledge writes this: "It is advent." It is dark and lonely and cold, and the Master is away from home, yet he will come. Keep awake. Keep awake. Advent calls for a life, for you and I, a life that is like lived on the edge, in a sense. To not get too comfortable here. We're shaped by the cross of Good Friday. Whenever... And wherever we are, we're shaped by that. And we proclaim the death and resurrection of Jesus. And we sing hymns that are protest hymns. They're protest hymns to the way this world operates, the way, the, the way that this world structures itself. And we look with these uncompromised hearts towards, forward towards the way things should be. That's what this is. That's what Advent kindles in us. And you and I are constantly being drawn away from these themes of waiting and perseverance in this season. We're we're drawn away by quick fixes and songs and full calendars and movies and shopping. We're drawn away from it. But my encouragement with you, to you, is to get in there and look at the difficult stuff. Spend the time in the hard places. I'm not saying that all the Christmas stuff that we experience is bad. Not at all. Except for some Christmas movies. We won't get into that. Uh, I'm not railing against Christian things that have been, you know, covered up and were pagan things. I I don't care what Starbucks puts on their cup. I, I spend zero minutes thinking about that. Advent to me is not about burning down traditions. Advent to me is about learning to redirect ourselves and each other to something further and to something deeper. Further is what God has planned for us over the horizon. We yearn for that day. We yearn for that sunrise when death is swept away, when there is no more crying and no more pain, we yearn for that. And when we allow ourselves to sit in that sadness and let that sadness light the fire of hope in us, the fire of a God that comes to rescue his people, that first glow of light that we see on the horizon will stir our souls like in, in great anticipation. So... We remember that God came to us in our darkness, blood streaked like babies do. With the soundtrack of lowing cattle and buzzing flies. With that smell that's like that kind of acrid um, copper tinge of blood in the air. And a heavy stench of waste. That's how Jesus comes to us. And we ask, where, where was God? Where are you, God? In the most difficult places of our life, in the, in the biggest trauma, frustration, in, in the situations that seem totally helpless, we ask, where are you, God? And we sit. And we wait. And we sit in that pain and that loneliness and that agony and we wait. And the answer begins to bubble back up in us because of the spirit of God in us. That the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead awakens us to the reality that he is with us. That he has never left us. That in this time between his first coming and his second, and all the pain and the genocide and the trauma and the the disease and the heartbreak and the bitterness, all of that, that God is with us. That God is for us. He came to us in Jesus, and he will come again. And so what we're going to do, church, is we're going to gather in communion together. We're going to gather around a table. And the night that Jesus gets betrayed by someone close to him, he breaks bread, knowing he's headed to the cross, knowing the agony before him, knowing he's about to get beaten, mocked, killed. He breaks the bread and says, this is my body broken for you. I came to be with you, and now I'm broken for you. And this is my blood spilled for you. And so we gather around the communion table as followers of this Jesus, as apprentices of this Jesus, To stare into the reality of our darkness and to hope and to cling in anticipation of what is to come. Let me pray. God, be with us. Jesus, you have rescued us. Spirit, you have encouraged us. You have blown the wind of God into us at moments when we needed it most. God, I pray for my friends, my family. Would you encourage them in the depths of their pain in this moment, in this season? Would you show us what it looks like to be the kind of people that ruthlessly protest the way this world works? that cling together stubbornly and seek our deepest transformation together. We pray these things in your name. Amen.